Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, everybody, here we are, finally. Last day of deer season. It, uh, boy, it's gone and by duck fast. Season. It has. And duck yeah, season, lot, yeah. lots of things. Yeah. No wonder everybody's getting here. In the right office. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have wanted to do this podcast for a long time, but let me, let me start by saying uh, we, we've got two guests, and, and Clay County just is a mecca for It's sports. a great community, and these two guys are part of that too. There's no doubt it. Bill and Cody been a long time. I've, I don't know. I don't know how long I've known y'all's guys, but so Lanny, we've got royalty in here today. Bill Duke of Duke's Trap. <laughs> I mean, that's royalty, and and. Well, I don't know about this, but we got Cody Shouse. <laughs> bottom of the barrel. No. And let me just start by He's saying. He's in the bottom, that's for sure. He is the first person to ever come into this studio wearing a ponytail. And I kind of like to think we run a tight ship around here, but. <laughs> you mad or jealous? <laughs> <laughs> jealous well, I, for sure. I miss my bangs. You can see. I, He's jealous. I, I wish I had my bangs back. But, yeah, uh, Bobby's the exact opposite. You know, when I call Bobby's house. Let me speak to Bobby. Uh, he went to get a haircut, and I said, I'll just hold it. Yeah, it won't, <laughs> won't take long. Yeah. No. Okay. You were gone for like two minutes the other day. It, did, you it didn't take long. It oh, sure man. Did. I'm crying. That's good. <laughs> well, we are really glad that you guys are here. We Absolutely. want to talk about trapping. Mm-hmm. And and Cody is a – he's a really good trapper. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, you're a really good trapper. Oh, wow, Bobby. And uh, – well, and Bill Duke, that, you can't go anywhere without hearing somebody talk about Duke traps. No, you can't. Nope. It, it, it's incredible. Y'all Worldwide, just, baby. That's yeah. right. That's no, you really have. Yep. What a business. Well, trapping is, it's a growing little trade right now because of all the emphasis on turkeys, deer hunting. It's filling the gap for a lot of hunters mm-hmm. when those seasons are closed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's why the fact that we have a whole episode devoted to it tells you the growth, however size it is, the growth with the conservation-minded. And honestly, I'm sure they have a lot of business with the government people that there's a huge animal damage control effort going on, more, you know, nationwide. Yeah. Uh, you can speak to that. Well, I, I think that, that that's true. There, There's a growing trend among all outdoor people to get involved in trapping you know, there's usually a spark that, that starts at when you start seeing turkey numbers go down, people start wondering why, you know, why is this going on? Mm, yes. And um, 
I, you know, I tell, I've been on a couple of other podcasts and tell a story because Toxie was one of the first, I call them early adopters of trapping with, with those off season times. Uh, one day he, he called on the phone. He says, uh, Hey, have y'all got any of those live traps? He probably remembers this. Maybe not. And I said, yeah, we got some. And, uh, he said, well, I need to come down there. How many is on a pallet? And I said, well, there's 20. And he shows up with a a 20-foot trailer and says, let's see how many pallets we can shove on this trailer. <laughs> let's get to trapping. <laughs> that, that was well over a decade ago. And, you know, that was a that was one of the first, you know, really serious, serious uh, efforts right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I go back to Dr. George Hurst, such a pioneer over at Mississippi State in the wild turkey. And, you know, he went by his research, and when he – revealed to us what happened with their radio collar studies at the time i think he had seven years worth of radio collared hens statewide this was mississippi and they were losing 92 percent of all eggs to nest predators Hmm. and i mean even to the point where he had charted the cycles of distemper i believe it was i'm speaking off memory and that's dangerous and he showed the cycle between the hatch success and distemper was just a, a exact opposite. In other words, I think every about and it wasn't exactly, but about every seven years we have a drop in the raccoon population, and we had the best hatch then too. He was so convinced of it, he was putting um, kind of consortiums of you. You would get up to ten thousand acres to cooperate. They would bring a trapper in, it's Mississippi State, and him doing it for free, and trap. But you had to give them people in like Ohio. The ones we got were from Ohio, so Daddy put that together. Gosh, 25 years ago, maybe, because Dr. Hurst, you know, from his research, knew what that meant. Now, we know today there's a lot more involved in nest success and that. But I can assure you, after such a long time of doing it, it makes a big difference over time. I mean, we could have factors beyond our control that knock our hatch down disproportionately, you know. But, you know, if... Whatever has happened over time, I've seen more. So, you know, I've, especially I remember Chuck Sox talking about it on a podcast with Cuz. He's like trapping for predators on your place in a myriad of them, actually. Uh, he said uh, not just the nest predators for, uh, you know, beavers. Oh, my gosh, the timber they destroy. There's just so many things that you can improve your place by trapping. But Chuck had a great comment, and I'll never forget it. He said they've incented people to trap so much more in the state of Alabama, at least. I think here, too. That they, I think this uh, 12 months out of the year, it's okay to trap. There's no closed season on trapping like raccoons and possums and stuff like that. But his point in telling people was like, it can make a big difference, but don't think you're just going to buy a few traps from him and go out and trap and, boy, you made a difference. It's, it takes, he said, I, I relate it to keeping your yard cut or keeping your yard. You don't go out there and cut your yard and forget about it for the rest of the summer. So especially putting pressure on them and knocking them down right before the nesting season, which actually occurs during turkey season too, is very, very beneficial. Very, and I can attest to that on all our places that we've been involved with. But it seems like the longer we have stayed with it, it begins to pay more results than a one-time hit. So you got to have the discipline to stay with it. And, and, you know, if you get to where you enjoy it, and I think we're going to hear a lot about that today, you enjoy it, then it becomes fun, not just work. Well, that's Cody. I, you know, I, yes. I watched him trap some last year. He's been enjoyed it as much as I would have enjoyed going on a turkey hunt or something. Yeah. Well, it's fun. That's why. I love it. Honestly, it, if I had more time, I'd do a lot more. Now, Cody brought a 
bought a raccoon up here late yesterday afternoon for us to cook. And Sam's Sam is, in there, yeah, jammed it in the Instant Pot. Yeah, and Sam's, Sam, Cody fussed at me because I put it in the freezer. But Sam and I talked last night. Sam said, well, we need to freeze that so that there, if there was any problems, what am I thinking of? Bugs or bacteria? What, what was he trying you, to kill with that in that freezer? You think you've made this up. <laughs> I do know that it is safer to have frozen something supposedly 24 hours. Deer meat and everything, especially deer. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. the the name of the disease is escaping me, but uh, it's the same reason. Tox- like if your wife is pregnant, toxoplasmosis. Is yeah, they're not disease. supposed to be around cattle. They carry that. So I, am, I don't know about raccoons. I have come to understand that Cody, in his line of being a trapper, that he actually cleans these things, and there are people that buy them and cook them. Oh yeah, and you legally at at the certain amount of time, and I know you follow all those rules, but there's a there people there are people that buy these things from you and cook them for for like Super Bowl weekends and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like a holiday we cook a turkey for Thanksgiving, you cook a coon for Super Bowl. There we go, as many as you can catch. That is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been to a Super Bowl party hey. where they cooked a raccoon. I would love for more and more outlets. Of commerce for that, so yeah, you know, it, it, you got, it's incentive. an interesting. It's, it's an incentive inter- to catch them. You know, if it, you yes. have a way to get rid of them or a reason to get rid of them, you know, you can. Yeah, I'm more, try- more reason to trap them and you know have a way. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to spin this into a positive it yeah, is. because right. that that's a that's a good thing rather than throwing them in the ditch. That's right. correct. And, Absolutely. Uh, so this is the way I if, if you, you know I enjoy trapping just to be trapping you know in the woods doing something. But if you can catch a coon, the fur is not worth a lot. But I do. You know, skin them and save them. But if you can sell the sell the meat, that more or less justifies you know yeah, buying traps. The way I always look at it, if I can trap enough coons every year, it help pay my hunting dues. That's on my hunting club. I'm benefiting my hunting club and covering my costs. And covering your dues, I like it. Yeah, a lot of fuel, a lot of time. Oh yeah, it, it adds up. It adds up a lot. That's an admirable uh, goal, and that a ton of people would love to be able to cover their. Yeah, monetize your hobby. (laughs) Lanny, where do you want to start here? Sign me up for that one. Yeah. So, with this trapping discussion, Lanny, where do you want to start? To me, trapping is an art form um, where, you know, hunting is more strategic and and, and tactical. So, uh, and the effect, the the, the whole trapping mentality has been lost, I guess. Uh, and I'm proud to see the uh, re- resurgence of that. And, you know, with, along with Duke Traps and having the products and stuff over there to get to it. So I don't really know what the hell point I was trying to make with all that. <laughs> yeah, well, let, so here's where I'd like to start with this. Uh, Cody, would you start off uh, – we're, we're probably primarily talking about uh, raccoons and possums right now for for this. And I've got one of these Duke uh, dog-proof traps. But would you talk about what a guy needs to start off with and how he can go about – is it hard to catch raccoons? What What do we need to have, and how can we get started? Well, if you had a place that you were going to just say, just start trapping, your hunting club, you know, well, you could get those dog-proof traps, and I like to use, it's a earth anchor to put in there because a lot of times you have people want to use wire and tie them off. Well, you have a coon that gets in there and twists around, that wire breaks, he's gone with your trap. you got no coon, no trap. So that's the way I like to use because it's faster, set more traps in my opinion. But uh, a dozen dog-proof traps, take them. First place you would go to, I guess, to easiest spots to catch would probably be feeders. You know, everybody's got a – we got – 100%. 
you always hear during the day, I got, I got 20 coons at my corn feeder. You know, I got this many coons at my corn. Well, you can go catch them. Yep. Yeah, and, you could probably put three or four earth anchors around every feeder and just put a piece of flagging tape on it. In fact, it just, I was always advised to not trap those all the time, have a camera there, and just descend on them with multiple right. traps because they're so smart. Yeah. They'll they fig- figure it out. So catch as many as you can right away when you descend on them yeah, so at, that, a tra- at a feeder. If that, that would be, if I was a, you know, didn't know anything about it, that would be my go-to spot. The next spot I'd go to, you can look on your map, is a ditch or water. You know, they're going to hang close to that water. You know, you will find them off, but that's that's a go-to spot every time. If you if you caught, like, you call me about trapping your place that time, first thing I ask you, is there a ditch or a creek that runs through it? You know, you know they're going to be there. You know, and that's that's the simplest way you can get a, you know, get a head start trying to catch them. But when you go to that feeder, you put several traps in one spot because there's more likely going to be more than one comes in a night. And you'll always have one or two that are trap shy. You know, they'll they'll come through there and they may look at it, but no, nah, they're going to keep eating what they've used to eating, you know. And you can pull that trap out of there for a few days and then stick it back in there with something different in it and, you know, that might get him that time. So are you wearing rubber gloves or are you, nah. are you just you just going Those, in there setting up? Yeah, what, coon, what kind of bait are you using? I'm a I'm a big – all I use is I use a dry cat food with a fish oil mixed in it. Like I buy just pure fish oil and mix it with a dry cat food. And to me, it always, that oil kind of, the scent lingers a lot longer. Like when it rains, even that cat food will get a little, you know, a little moist and kind of melt away, basically. But that scent hangs in there. I try to stay away from anything that's sweet. You know, everybody uses marshmallows or vanilla wafers and stuff like that. But I always run into ants. You know, when you're setting a bunch of traps, you know, it's easier just to have a jug of cat food and not have to tote a bag of vanilla wafers or a bag of marshmallows or Different strokes for different folks, no, but that's just, I've always had better luck with that consistently coons. You're going to catch possums. You'll catch a skunk every once in a while, but you, you know, that's, that's a. So when you walk proven. up to that, uh, that, that set and you've got five traps out there and you got three raccoons in them, what, what happens then? You walk up and you, you shoot the coon with a pistol or what do you do? Yeah, I, I walk up, I got a 22 rifle that I took, had forever, but. I shoot the coon, and as soon as I shoot him, I try to get him out of the trap because they're going, mm-hmm. they're bleeding or whatever, and get him away from there to so that all that's not around. And I'll clean. I try to get most of the old bait out of the trap, or if there's any mud caked around it, because this time of year when it's raining, there'll be a just a mud ball, and get it cleaned up, get it reset. And more than likely, if they're there, you can catch a coon the same trap the next night. You know, it's they're not as scent weary as a lot of other animals are. You know, they're. They're curious by nature, so they're not. It's not a. They're not spooked by it. I right, think they're right. they associate in a lot of areas human scent. Might maybe something good to eat. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have watched you know videos and such on trapping, and you see the folks trying to catch you know canines, you know coyotes, mm-hmm. uh, but they're uh, very conscious of their scent. Some oh, people fair. will put a little yes. mat down, fair. and yes, I mean I've I've caught raccoons with this. You know, I've used the dog proofs. I also use the footholds. You can almost just leave the foothold exposed and they, you know, looking for a scent and they step on it. And I mean, you really don't, it's not a lot of work to catch it's not, nest it's, predators. It, it's not at all. You know, I mean, it. once you start running 40 or 50 traps, it turns into work, you know, but a dozen traps set out is the simplest thing a person can do to, to do that. I mean, and 
they're not that expensive. No. Like you said, you start selling your coons, pay for your traps. You're not out of nothing but right. a little bit of time, and you're in the woods doing something. So why why wouldn't it? Buy? Absolutely, That's all good. the dollar for dollar trapping the Duke dog proof is the best value in on the planet Earth. There's no question. Yeah, and and I think for me, I like the combination of both. Now, of course, the the um, cage traps are, are a little more, bit more expensive, but I like having both. What I found was fairly short order. Uh, the coons are just smarter than possums, and those are the two primary, you know. And and so I got to where I was probably only catching 70 80%. Uh, I was catching up to 70 80% possums over coons in the live traps. And then a, there's a special in Alabama, a young man that's really good at trapping, hits them for us each year. He comes in with his dog proofs. He's catching 80, 70 80% coons. His formula was different, but he was catching the really smart raccoon would come get onto the cage trap quicker. And so the other thing I found out is in general, you might back this up or not. I'll yield to Cody on all this stuff, but sweet will catch tend to catch more possums where fish tends to catch more raccoons. So when I, I was doing kind of a sweet vanilla and we would catch a good bit of stuff, but then I mixed just catfish food with it because it had a fishy smell and it changed almost overnight to more raccoons too. Hmm. But to really hit your raccoons, uh, I would encourage people to get some live traps, but also for sure the dog proofs. And, the, you, and we're talking and about the, the, and Duke, Duke, the yeah, Duke absolutely. that makes that right. dog proof. Yes. Yeah. That's the, it's for you dollar look, for dollar, it's the best thing. And it will catch the trap shy ones a lot better. Yeah. You can, a lot, a lot of those older coons, you can tell if you like those live traps, mm -hmm. you'll come there and the bait will be gone. Well, you, they won't get in there and get that bait. They'll reach through the back of oh, yeah. it and get that bait out. They're smart enough to know that I'm not getting in there. I'm going well, around the back and getting all I can get and I'm leaving. I actually, I actually put a camera on one time and a big coon flipped it over. Oh, yeah. And then got it. Bill, looks like you're about to die to say something. But. <laughs> what what I was going to add is having multiple methods in place. Yes. You'll get them if you have multiple methods. So you got dog proofs out. You got cage traps out. Multiple different baits. You'll you'll get the majority of them in that area if you've got multiple methods between traps and baits. Yeah, Cody, what what if you walk up and there's a skunk there? What what do you do then? <laughs> Same thing. Back up a little bit. Just, just fourth and thirty punt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aim you know, high. Like, and, uh, like in a dog proof trap, you kind of kind of limited, really. You know, you can. Well, what do you, you do? Uh, most time, I shoot them. Walk and away. I shoot them behind the shoulder. You know, or in the gut and wait a day and go back, you know, just to save me from getting sprayed. But most of the time you can. That's worth if it. If you don't disturb <laughs> them that much, just to give them time just to pass and be done, you know, they'll just lay there and die, basically. But I have tried to get them out, you know, shoot mm. them and shoot them and get them out real quick without getting an onion. It don't work. And it's no. hard to get off. Yes. So, but on the live traps, I've taken, I've, you know, trapped for people around their houses and stuff and. You can take a blanket and ease up there real slow and lay that blanket over the top of that trap and pick it up and tote them off wherever you want to and turn them loose. Hmm. Not turn them well, I Let them go <laughs> right I don't turn anything. I, yeah. I take no prisoners. Right. But, but the thing about a live trap, you know, you do have the choice. Someone doesn't want to kill the predator and they want to just move, move it somewhere it way else. Far I think away. As long, yeah, as long as it's legal to move them. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, everybody should have their own choice about what they're doing. So I'd always heard that. I was just scared to try it. I've been, several people say, throw the blanket over them. 
And their point was, you know, if you can get to the handle, that's the key. You could carry it, and even if they did spray, it wouldn't be able to spray on you directly, you know. Yeah, their, their direction. You can catch one in a foot trap, and you can tell, like, he's going to squat down in the front, you know, pick his tail up. But he's going to keep his eye on you. But if he ever starts spinning around, you probably better move. How far How far do you think they can spray? I, I don't know. I'd probably stay from here from Bobby for yeah. a while. Oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be at least when, that far. You can see it when they're coming out, you know, when they spray, oh, yeah. you know. But I Oh yeah. I'll get close to them, especially at night. You know, a lot of times it's after work, you know, checking traps and you get on one close, they don't. Yeah, based on what I've read on on some of the old forums like Trapper Man and such, uh, to dispatch a, a skunk, uh the best way to dispatch is a heart shot, uh, whereas a headshot will make more often than not, make them spray immediately. Yeah, they're no, more nerves, you know, when you they'll shake and they're going to spray. Hmm. And then you'll be behind the shoulder. Will, yeah, your trap will smell like a skunk for you know, for a while. I still got That's some. That's cover scent, it. man. Yeah, it, it will cover everything. <laughs> yeah, it does. So a guy with a deer hunting club, so as deer scene has gone out in, in most places and just went out here in Mississippi, now you could descend on your property with these these traps and you might could expect to catch one in every trap for a few nights would you say cody uh that's it just depends i mean no you're gonna like tonight like i said a bunch you know at a new new spot uh saturday afternoon expecting last year i trapped this spot and i think the first night cost 15 or so and we caught two you know but this weather like this and you know if they don't have to move they're not going to Mm -hmm. you know and it's just not the cold weather, so a good cold night's gonna make them move better. No, just just rainy, nasty. Well, they've got to get out and eat, you know. But they're they're not getting as far as they only as far as they've got to go, you know. So you may not see them at your feeder, but they may get down and go to a honey hole that they have to eat at, and come right back and lay up. Yeah, you know, take a nap when it rains like everybody else. I'm just uh, you know, the the, the my takeaway from this is it's a lot easier than most people think it might be thinking that it is to do this well the, you don't have to measure up to someone else nobody have to measure up to cody or trapping experts just listen it's so easy to get online do they they offer all kind of advice too and go do your own thing and learn your own way i mean the i guarantee you cody got good at it because he just trial and error, just trial and error. that's, that's right. right yeah what someone asked me how i got good at something one time y'all heard my expression i was like well you know if you put your hand on a red hot stove enough times you'll sooner or later you'll quit putting it up there you'll learn you know so i ran into a guy in birmingham not too long ago that told me that uh that he has a few do uh dog proof traps and then on the week during deer season during the when he's going to his camp and he gets there on friday night he'll go ahead and go down to a feeder and he'll just pour a little bit of corn in that and then so he's going to be there saturday morning sunday morning he'll run a few traps all during the hunting season deer season and he's he's he says just putting a little corn in there works. You know they you like to eat. You don't have to set them on top of that feeder. You know that coon's coming from somewhere. You know you can look and see a deer trail. Well, you can look and tell a coon is coming here. You know coon track's pretty obvious, and you can back off that feeder. You know you don't want to mess up your deer hunt. Well, get fifty, sixty yards over there in the mm-hmm. woods and set that trap. Yeah, the the, the yeah. dog proofs for my photos. If a um, raccoons in it it doesn't really if as long as it's not right under the trap and there's no need to, they can smell it way away from the trap it doesn't bother your deer a bit yeah now it may bother them to go in there and dispatch one and some bloods there maybe but as far as like 
if a coon in a dog proof, just a little bit for the deer going to go get a bite to eat. I promise you. Yeah. If you're staying at the camp for the weekend, uh, you can put some out when you're on the way to your stand. Like if you have to cross a Creek or something, you can, you can put a couple out there. And, uh, you know, the next day when you go to hunt, uh, you're not really interrupting the, your final destination. You're just trapping on the way and on the way back. And, and it does work really well. How does that dog proof for people that don't understand? That's what I was going to ask. How does that thing yeah, work? Explain Ingen- it to us. Ingenious. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very basic trap, but uh, I think it came from a gopher type trap uh, that has a, a cylindrical housing. It has a pull trigger. And that's what really gets the coons. Uh, if something sticks its paw in there and pushes and paws on it, it doesn't set it off. So that's what makes the trap so special. You can ideally set it out for raccoons and catch raccoons and hopefully eliminate non-target catches. Yeah, I mean, it's such a small tube. I can't imagine a dog could possibly get a paw in it anyway. And if they, if cat or anything, I mean, I guess if something reached far enough, but you can, you can push down on one. I mean, don't put your finger in it, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get the thing squeezed too. But yeah. you can push, put a, whatever, put an upside down screwdriver, whatever. You cannot make it go off pushing down. That's the ingenious part. But if you pull up from below and grab it, it doesn't take but a hair trigger, which is what you want. That's right. So but, the idea is you the know, coon is reaching in there to. Yeah, grab I've seen people wearing there. like a little old conner bear. So you wouldn't want to wear one of those on a finger. Nope. No. No. I've come close to getting caught, but just my era and i i still enjoy using the footholds mm-hmm. uh yeah. but uh where i trap it's in a very rural area and you're you know you your chance of catching a non-target is almost non-existent yeah that, but i still uh, run some not a bunch if, just if you're because a, those are so convenient if you know? you're near a residential area uh it's just you know i, I personally wouldn't do it but uh the footholds are designed well live traps could work to in be very very humane uh it's not what people think the way it, it grasps the the pad of the foot no you know uh boy trapping has been around a long time I yeah mean, when you go back to the the start of our country and you just read about these trappers and who, who would y'all say is the most famous trapper would it be jeremiah johnson or I, I don't know. I've read Bobby some books read too about, many novels. Yeah. yeah. I've read some books about a lot of trappers, but not. But you know, the Rocky Mountain Fur Company. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, they were just paying people to to just get oh, the after The fur trade was a huge and, part of our you know, history, yes. obviously. Yes, used yeah. to be big. Used to be big. That's when things kind of headed. Yeah. Honestly, that's what Dr. Hurst said when the fur prices plummeted, you know, due to whatever bad PR or whatever it was, that. As a, when hatches started getting less and less successful, you know, now could be coincidence too. And if fur prices probably aren't going to go back up, are they? I mean, that uh, you know, you know, uh-huh. you never know in this world. Boy, inflation's gotten a hold Bill of everything. Yeah, what do y'all know? What do you think? Well, going back, my my family's been in the fur business yeah. since my granddaddy was uh, was living, and it goes in cycles. Uh, you never want to say it never comes back because that, you just don't know. But uh, we've seen cycles. They roughly go in 20-year cycles. We saw in the mid-80s where late 70s, early 80s, where coon prices were in, in the $20 range wow. for southern coons. Wow. And bobcats were well over 100 Otters were well over $100. Mm-hmm. And these what are they tra- doing with a raccoon? 
the southern raccoon is, uh, is known as a coat coon. It's used as um, either a liner in a coat or it can be used uh, as a lightweight jacket mm -hmm. because it's lighter weight than those big, heavy northern coons that are typically used as trim. Huh. How about that? $20 coons, it'd be hard for me to go to work. Yeah, I was going to say, Toby, lighten it up. See ya. <laughs> well, that, see, that, see. that reminds me of the when I told y'all what my career first career choice was yeah. when I was running trot lines with Uncle Bud, and he explained to me they were commercial fishermen out there. And I was like, they, yeah. you mean they – they that's they don't sit behind a desk. They run those trot lines all day, every day. That's how they make a living, son. That's Uncle Bud. That's Sign what I'm gonna me do. Up. Sign, <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do. I already got my. I was probably ten, and I already knew what I wanted to do was run trot lines. Oh wow, <clears throat> wow. Well, going going back to the seventies, uh, there were I know people that were trapping at that time. They made more money trapping than they did working a regular oh, yeah. job. So yeah. it yep. it goes in cycles. Yeah, a mink, a mink was like gold. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. wasn't that long ago. The mink was high. It didn't seem like. 80s? 80s was a peak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a peak. But we've had uh, had some other peaks. Like I remember 2013, 2014. That was a high price uh, for a lot of skins. Hmm. Well, I mean, supply and demand, even though there's maybe not as much use and there's kind of a bad name out there for whatever reason, you know, still the supply and demand, and there's a worldwide supply possibly, so – you know, if there's very few getting caught, that price could get really high, even with a small demand. Well, let me ask this. So, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody wearing a raccoon coat. It, are, are these being I exported you, I somewhere? Have, I bet you have. Well, I'm, and just I didn't realize you, it, yeah, but are right. they being export, exported somewhere to another country? I think the majority of the raccoon skins get exported to China. Some of the coats get manufactured uh, and sold into Russia. I know Ukraine was a big big consumer of that okay. wow. uh but but yeah the majority Oops. of them they do get exported okay hmm. that's fascinating though from his end because he's it's a worldwide i, I thought of another expression my dad has is like you said y'all been in the fur business for even a lot longer hadn't you and i think about daddy talking about someone yeah he was in they've been in that business since moses was hitting the bulrushes <laughs> 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 it's been a long time they've been in it a long time multi-generational so there's a chance that this thing could come back around and then and, and and the fur prices come back up and all of a sudden there are a lot of young people might be interested in getting into trapping well just from it, a revenue perspective it it could happen that way it it's cyclical and and that's just what you have to always realize is in a cyclical uh, industry mm -hmm. you can have some really really lows where you think things are just going away and they're never going to come back again and then uh, demand out of somewhere just comes up, and uh, and there you've got another bull market. Mm. Right, it's kind of like uh, the hardwood timber market. You know, it's species specific sometimes because there are a lot of different fur bearers that are valuable and have varying degrees of value. You know, and I think the the, the raccoon probably took it on the chin more than any of them. Aren't there some uh, counties that offer incentives like nuisance pay and stuff like that as well for trapping? Yeah, Clay County doesn't. Ah. Uh, there's several. Uh, I know Monroe County does. I think beavers. Yeah, beaver. Say buy a beaver tail. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, you could take a beaver tail to the courthouse in Madison County and get five bucks for it. I think the NRCS office does it now. Yeah, and I bring they do. That's the that's the best money they'll ever spend. Yeah, I mean, return rather than having someone out do a formal, if they just paid so much for the tail results. Yeah, so I don't know if there's there's probably programs like that. Are there programs like that across the southeast or across the areas? I don't even know. No, I don't know either. I bet, I bet Bill does. Yeah. I, I think they're county by county. 
Uh, mm-hmm. it's maybe not statewide, but uh, if you know, if the state came up with money and said, hey, we're going to give, what is it, $5 or $10 or whatever it may be per beaver tail, they would really find find some numbers. One other state that's done a fantastic job, I think, is South Dakota. They came up with a predator program because they were seeing a lot of pressure on, on the ground nesting birds. And uh, I forget what the numbers were, but for foxtails, coyote tails, skunk tails, uh, they were they were paying uh, people to trap those, and and I I hadn't seen the results of it exactly, but uh, but you put a figure on that, you're going to see people really go after those animals yeah. and get the numbers down. I just think that's that's a smart way of managing wildlife. You're encouraging, providing yes. an incentive for people to get the get the predator numbers down. That's yeah. exactly what we the whole philosophy of gamekeepers is is, you know, conservation and. Taking care of wildlife is not for the few with a bunch of money or government agencies or big organizations. It's for everybody. It's for the common. And right. yeah, and it's a mm-hmm. lifestyle. And just like trapping, when you when it becomes fun, it's like you love it. Oh yeah. He's gotten good at it, but he loves it. He he you know, some people like turkey hunting, some people like tennis and golf. He loves trapping. And I mean it's it's a sport and it's a lot of fun. It's exciting. I mean it, it, is it me reminds too. me a lot about fishing. You know, you mm-hmm. can't really see what you caught yeah, until right. it comes yeah, to the right. surface. Well, I mean, I mean it's you, like it's you more come like around a, the corner and and uh you're what's gonna be on the line, you Lane, know, and, and then Lane there is it a is. big cat fisherman, trout line, set hook guy. I like and it's very, very much <laughs> like that. It's the same thing. Though, it is. Yeah. Because you is. don't know. I mean, you can see it from a little further off than the catfish, but you set the hooks and you go back and check them. Right, and it's a it's a mobile sport. You're not mm-hmm. just sitting there. Uh, it, it's just fun. Um, I'd kind of like to address, uh, we see this a lot on social media these days where folks are saying, you know, habitat's more important, you know, yada, yada. Um, we manage our habitat. Yep. I don't feel like we even need to address that because we're doing both. Well, I think the point is it's all important. Yeah, I think that would, everybody involved would say, just like, you know, we talked about, you know, you can't shoot coals your way into great genetics on a wild, you know, free-ranging deer herd. Well, but it's still a part of the toolbox. Well, we're just telling people there's no one thing in the toolbox that's a miracle cure. Not I mean, all. predators are trapping, I would think, maybe close to the top of the food chain, but it has to be married with smart Habitat management and, and other issues, yes. Yeah, we're yeah, doing thank, that anyway. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out, Dudley. And, that, and habitat's a big part of what we do. We love that aspect of it. But right. So I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of a, I, I don't know, I might be a little average. I've never trapped. And then for Christmas, you know, I got, my wife went down to your uh, your business and uh, somebody sold her five traps and that's what I got. And I can't get these things to press together. But so I got this thing in here, and I think this helps you do that. That, But I'm scared to death I'm going to lose a finger doing all this. But I think it's pretty safe and easy the way I see other people demonstrate it. I mean, there's people that will set the trap on themselves just to prove the point that it's a a very humane way of capturing. Yeah. So so a guy can call Duke Traps and and, and probably talk to you and and get him a, a dozen of these things shipped to him and. Pretty simple, pretty easy. He can follow what Cody's telling him how to do it and yep. be somewhat successful catching raccoons pretty quick, I think. Oh, I think so, too. That trap makes trapping easy. Very. It just makes it easy. People get started with that, and then they gradually move on to other things that are more complex. Uh, you know, it's like 
maybe you start out squirrel hunting and then you graduate into bigger game. Yep. I mean, it's not it's so simple on the dog proof. Just bait it before you set it and don't ever pull on anything. <laughs> just don't. I mean, you know, just don't ever stick your hand in it for anything. Man, you just, you don't put it. your finger in the hole. You're yeah. Yeah. That's right. Cody, have you ever accidentally had a trap go off on you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the dog proof? No, no, no I know that. But a that, hand but... trap? Yeah, like a foot trap? Yeah. I've been calling all of them conner bears, foot traps. I had a conner bear bite me one time, but it, it didn't snap on me. I was tensioning the spring and I kind of missed something and it sprung back over my hand, yeah. if that mm. makes sense. And it hurts. I was by myself. It, it wasn't fun, but uh, so I survived. Look, I'm looking at Mac. I, have you ever done much trapping? Uh, I wouldn't say much, but I have done it. And I will say I, I took my son, Wilkes, uh, trapping, and he thought it was the coolest thing that he's ever done. I mean, he makes me watch YouTube videos of people trapping. I mean, he, he thought it was really neat. And, and, I mean, I enjoyed it. And, and just being able to talk to him and show him the different, you know, the the you know the paw prints and, you know, show him the different species that are used in the area. And I, I thought it was a really good, easy way to kind of get him outside and he could be loud and, you know, while we're setting the traps and we didn't have to kind of worry about that, but I have, I haven't done a ton, but taking him was a lot of fun. Yeah. Did y'all catch anything? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah so did. he liked that. Oh yeah. He thought it was cool. But yeah, yeah. Like you said, you're moving around, you can talk, you can, you know, look at this tree over here and you know, you can do all of that and uh, you don't have to be quiet. Like when you're hunting. Yeah, a lot of so. people don't realize when, when you get out, off the four-wheeler, out of the deer stand, and get in the woods, and you start looking for game trails, not just deer or turkey, you notice a lot of stuff. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's a lot more stuff there than you think is there. You know, there's as far as, you know, you may hunt all year and not see a bobcat. Well, you get trapping season and get off on a trail and go look and realize, well, there's more bobcats in here than I thought there were. You yeah. just don't see them. They're you slick. start trapping beavers. You get in there, you know, well, there's some beavers in here. Well, there's otters. You know, there's a lot of people who have never even seen an otter. You know, but they're everywhere. You know, but get getting in the woods, setting those traps, you you learn a lot and see a whole lot more than you will just strictly deer hunting. Yeah, you know? great way to gather some woodsmanship. Hey, exactly. Yeah, and you see the habitat more holistically That's too. Right. You know, you really, 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 really destructive. I just had to rebuild an entire very large lake because of nutrient rats. Oh yeah. And I mean, is there a particular trap maybe you could catch them with? I know they multiply so fast, and they made Swiss cheese out of this huge dam. And we tried and tried and tried and tried by, you know, trying to hunt them and shoot them or whatever. Next thing you know, it was just collapsed on us. I'm a, if, I hate them. Uh, I catch them in foot traps a lot. You know, okay. just a, a little crossover on like you have a little dam or something like that. They'll right. use they'll take a beaver dam, you know, and kind of build on it. Oh, it's amazing. You know, and you can take just a small crossover, which you can tell they've been using, which will be more grass right, and it will be right. sticks, you know, and you can set them foot traps. I've probably caught no telling how many this year already. Wow. Well. They're, but, uh, they're bad news. Yeah, conibear traps work awesome for them. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I get. You got to be careful. The only thing is, well, the little small ones wouldn't hurt a dog, probably. A conibear trap. Well, yeah. a neutral rat, you can you can more or less submerge them. You know, right? Yes, right. And if if they get something's in the water, you could. My, but just off trapping. But my one tip I found out, and I didn't realize. Uh, great pond builder down here in Scuba, David Bryan's built some for us, but he lined, and there, we have a particular pond Bobby loves at the sledge places. So good of fishing. And he, I never have any trouble with beavers, nutrients, or anything. And it's right on, it's right off a of main river almost. 
and he had laid the entire dam right at the surface of the water, um, bull panel all the way across. But that's been like 15, 20 years ago when he did it. It was a lot cheaper. We just did it with some leftover wire like hog wire, but we don't have any nutrient rat or – Keep it from digging. Yes, it stopped them. Yep. So that's my – by saying that, if you, you think you don't need to tend to that, if you're in an area where there's any at all, they will take your pond over. I mean, we literally had spots on the dam collapsing – and you're looking down five feet, there was nothing underneath there. So you could have just flipped a tractor or something with it. They're so bad. And that's, I mean, we're on trapping. I just want to make sure there's their effective ways to trap them. Because I think if I started sooner, we wouldn't have had near as much problem with when, I'm, when they Get first showed up. Get all invasives. Because so, yeah, they're so nocturnal. Even if you, and even if you go at night, there's just so many, you can't, you can't kill them all. with the You rifle. know, they're there. You find a hole in the, in the bank. You know, most of the time it'll be just under the edge of the water. You know, that's where, where you can take those conner bears and, or a body grip trap, whatever how you want to say it, and put them there. You know, you can catch them coming in and out of there. Right. We've got two different duck ponds that will not. We've tried everything on the main. We're going to have to dig them up and start over. They put right below the water's edge, really the summer water, which drains it down too low. And we've dug and dug and dug and found them. And there's still some more we can't find. It still won't hold water because of nutrients. Yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to be able to trap them better. You know, and that's a critter, that nutria. They're not around they're not native i don't think they're native to anywhere in the united states are they no, Dudley? and no. and so they've just migrated up here and this is they, a problem that they can't they try to raise them in louisiana didn't they, didn't they yeah they, i was just gonna say they're not native to north america they're native to south america and they were brought in here and i think farm raised in louisiana and i guess one of the hurricanes came through opened up all the cages and it's just been unable to nutrient get everywhere, yeah, nutrient everywhere yeah nutrient everywhere wow another reason not to introduce anything non-native to yeah. our so, Cody, look, let's think about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at Bill and look at Cody, both of y'all. And y'all. It doesn't matter who starts first, but we, we like for our listeners to learn something. So, look, I'm asking you to give up some secrets here. Could you give, could you give a few tips to a guy who doesn't know much about trapping, something that make him a little bit better, something that he needs to do? I see people boiling traps. What's that all about? And, and But are, are there any tips that you can give a guy? Well, if you're just getting started, the, your best-case scenario is to buy those dog poops right there. You know, you speak of boiling traps. Those traps are powder-coated, which is you know, a paint, you know, so they're not going to rust. Now, once you catch a few things in them, they will, but you can take them and dye them at the end of the year. But taking that trap out of the box and getting it tied off and baiting it, it's ready. It's, you're trapping. Ready to go. You're, there's, it's that simple. It's Does not, anybody mod those dog-proof traps at all I, to make them trigger more effectively or they're they're just ready to I go out of the box? I think you may see people that file the trigger some, but they're, there's no I need in it, really. There's no need in it. I mean, I, you take them out of the box and – Get them, you know, as I say, use that earth anchor to put them in the ground. Now you're talking about a stake it's and a, then tying that to a stake, well, right? What we have, and y'all sell them. Don't you? It's a, it's a cable actually with a, it's just a metal thing that you push in the ground, and when it pushes in the ground, you pull up, it turns sideways in the ground, because you can walk up there and you can pull it out of the ground, but that animal is pulling it, you know, like a at an angle, mm-hmm. so he's not going to pull it up. Yeah, I use them just for to be faster when I'm sitting mm-hmm. because I'm trying to be faster. I run out of time, you know, trying to work and do this in the afternoons. But yeah. as far as that is, you got to, it's ready to set. And you, you could, you could put a cable around a tree. Yes. It, you it, can it, take a piece of chain with a carabiner on it, wrap around a tree and clip it off. And it's, it, you're set, right. ready to go. Yeah, but as far put as a, put a swivel in it. So, yeah. But if you hunt and you, you know what a raccoon track looks like, you know, just basically sitting on sign. That's what, 
that's what you've got to look for. You know, you can't just stick it somewhere and hope he comes comes by. You want to be where he's at, you know, basically. But that fish would that's a fish the simple. Are. It's it's really simple. It, it may sound like a lot, but as far as those dog proof, that's as simple as it gets. Yeah, it sounds like using just getting out there and proof, doing it. Using a dog proof trap with cat food. Yeah. That's it. The irony. And a little bit of fish oil. A little fish oil. I mean, I've, I've used all kinds of stuff. I've saved uh, used cooking oil, um, and I'll put it in a little squirt bottle, and I'll draw a line across the road going to the little ditch where the trap is. So Trail if they're walking there. down the road, they hit that little line and go in and then, you know, put, put some bait in the actual trap. Their noses are so all, good. Uh, I you mean, can, you wouldn't need much. I, no. I've had no telling how many people offer up, oh, my, I caught a bunch of crawfish. I'm going to give you – you know, or heads of shrimp. And I mean, I, I've never had as much luck with that as I have with, you know, fish like oil, fish, yeah, fish food or fish oil. It's just a stronger odor and they can smell it from, man, they can smell it so good. You don't need, it doesn't need much. And I mean, for Dudley's thing might be better to make sure and catch them walking down the road. But if the wind's drifting at all or, or calm, they're going to smell it from a mm -hmm. long ways off. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you watch the coon in the woods or not, but, or, I've been around one real close. I mean, they're they're constantly they're they're looking for something to eat. They're hungry all the time. Seems mm -hmm. like, and they're, they're curious. Very. So them something like that, you know, they're they're gonna fiddle with it, you know, and <laughs> they, they're, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna look. Yeah, and most. I mean, you see them with a nose in there all the time too. Yeah, that's yeah. and that's a good thing about those traps. You don't you don't hardly miss with that trap. You know, like where a foot trap, you know, if it's not bedded perfectly or they don't step on it just right and. There's too much travel in the pan, you know. They'll they're gonna jerk their hand back, you know. But that right there, they're they're a hundred percent committed when they put their hand in there, and that's what, you know. I have had them pull them out of the ground and turn them upside down and pour it out, but that's just because they're smart. Hmm. They're a hundred percent committed when they stick their hand in that trap. So, Bill, what about you? You got a tip for our listeners? What I'm gonna say is there there are so many resources on trapping now, way more than there ever were. You know, the, the secrets that trappers had just weren't public. I'm talking 20, 30 years ago, but now you've got, you've got YouTube and so many channels where people are devoting those channels to trapping. You could sit there and watch trapping episodes all day for weeks and learn a lot about trapping. But I think the, the key to it is you start with simple things and you start having success with it, and then you graduate into more complex so you start out with a, a trapping pack that might include a dozen dog-proof traps, some steaks, maybe a little bait, and and you start catching coons. You learn by doing that. And then if you decide you want to go on to coyotes, mm -hmm. then, then you watch more videos, you buy a little bit more equipment. That's graduate school there. Yeah, yeah then you, you get mad and frustrated, and then you keep trying, and you get mad and frustrated, <laughs> and you keep trying. I've, I've heard a lot of people say that that's like the, you know, one of the, the pinnacles is being able to catch a coyote. I mean, I would, the people who have it figured out, have it figured out. You know, when, yep. if you find somebody that can catch a coyote, catch coyotes consistently, they've got it figured out. You know, yep. you get lucky here and there and catch one, but somebody that can catch a coyote consistently has got, you know, down to an art. Well, you know, it's, of, it's very smart. Because you're trying to think if you've got a thousand acres, you're trying to get that coyote to step in a two inch yeah, circle. Yeah, that's amazing. Out of you know, that's where you're trying to get. Plus, they don't even they don't even have a home range, and I want to say I heard somewhere that their, their home, their average home range or whatever is like forty square miles. So I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. they're here today, gone tomorrow, <laughs> and then trying to catch them like that. I know the really the really smart ones I've been around, and it's quite a few that we've had over the years. What made them smart was they knew 
what they didn't know. In other words, uh, just like when the summer heat hits, it's like, you know, if you want to keep paying me to do it, but I'm telling you, the best in the world is not going to have any luck right now. And they know when the right time is too. You know, in the place and the, how to how to narrow that down. Uh, it's kind of like the fisherman saying, "Eliminate the unproductive water." The same, they do the same thing. Sure, sure. How uh, how often are you supposed to check your traps? Uh, Mississippi, it's every thirty six hours. So, but if you really want a trap, you're gonna check them every day every because day. you want right. to. You right, know. that's exactly right. So you'll set them late one evening and go back and check them the next yeah, morning. Yeah, I check them every day, rain or shine. I mean, we'll be out there this afternoon checking them. It's pretty as it is out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he even sloppy. looks like a trapper. He's yeah. kind of got that persona. About What's him. that supposed he to be? Well, he's got the big woolly beard. and I'm not sure. I, I guess I'd take Are that as a compliment. Are you stereotyping? I think he's hey, stereotyping. Here's the, here's, the, here's the opposite <laughs> of that. You could say, Bobby, I appreciate that. You do not look <laughs> yeah, like a trapper. No. <laughs> no, I don't know other end of the spectrum. I'll take that. Yeah, on that one, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, sure, I, w- I would like to think that our guys are, are a little in- motivated and uh, c- would can take this on because I think it's not as daunting as I might have thought no, it was. It's no, so, it's no today's world. It. It's so easy, you know, just – Take out your phone and go to Duke. Yeah, and order some traps. Trap a few. I yeah. mean, try a few. It's so easy. You don't even have to go see anybody over it if you don't want to. It's, today's world is so easy to order what you want and watch how to do it. If you want to, you know, go further than what we're offering up here, it's just so easy, you know? Public land. You can trap on public land. You know, that's – Yeah, everything the, benefits from it. You know, you yes. don't – you. You may not set traps, you know, during this trapping season or whatever, and you may not notice it, but – I've trapped enough places, this and that. Like hunting club we're in, this will be the fourth or fifth year we've trapped in it. Well, you, it's you can notice a tremendous difference yeah. in, the, in the amount That's of turkeys that are on this place now, just yep. for yeah. the past four or five years. You know, it it, it takes a couple of years to to really notice it, but sure. when it's noticeable, it's very noticeable. That's like everything with right. gamekeeping and wildlife management. It's a long term play for sure. What is like the turkey nest in this? I, we've been trapping for a long time, and that's not like we have this giant hatch every year. But I notice when there's a bad hatch. It's not as bad. And when there's a really good hatch, boy, we have an even better one. It just seems like it adds to everything. Uh, I will say, too, clearly, and this is all I know, anecdotal, I don't keep numbers, but clearly, 100% um, trapping coyotes over an extended period, say, I'm going to say six or seven straight years now, has definitely made a difference in deer, deer movement, deer we see. The quality of deer hunting, you know, seeing those bucks, even during daylight that were so, you know, because I think if they're from from birth, uh, a phone or a doe, I mean, this whole, everything we do with one of these gamekeepers uh, podcasts, nature adapts to everything we ever do. I mean, it's just the way of the universe. So what I'm getting at, a deer that are put under a lot of pressure by and get caught and killed by, especially the phones or where they devastate them, they're bred into them move as little as possible don't leave a scent trail you know be very careful they're skittish or nervous i mean if you're they're putting that much pressure on my coats all the time um so i'm just for my own you know results we have seen a huge uptick in how much we see deer i mean if you're riding down the road you look out there and see some does and stuff they don't run for terror they kind of watch you go it's nice to have wildlife that's not so terrorized acting for me, it is. And so I know also we're, we're getting much greater phone recruitment now. 
you know, which leads to having to manage it better. But I would rather, like Glenn said, for, you know, we all know Glenn over there and works for Jeff Fox, where he said, I want to make the choices, not, not, not the coyotes. So anyway, I know how many people deer hunt, and you might not could do it yourself on two or three hundred acres. But if you have a collective area, and you knock your coats down a notch and do it for a couple of years, I guarantee you, you're going to see better deer hunting. Yeah, and then to take that back to, uh, from what I understand, from you know, we've had Mike Chamberlain in here a number of times, and for uh, you know, there's a long list of reasons why. And Lanny, I'm looking at you talking about how habitat has changed in places yeah and there's just more rack i'm told there are more raccoons now than, than there's ever been and so this is our way of trying to try, trying to help out these nest these nesting birds yeah it's, i think some the, the better the habitat the, the more animals yeah the more predators you're going to have anyway it's a, yeah. it's a byproduct so I, I think this is natural a natural progression for a guy who's a gamekeeper to realize i need to be doing this yeah you need to be setting some traps there's no question about it for everything mm-hmm. that's right that's one, one, one thing that, that resonates so well, some of the guys in Pennsylvania, they have this on their T-shirts. They say the worst thing a conservation can, conservationist can do is not manage wildlife. They, they take great pride in managing their, their predator population. That's, that's totally in their mind every single day. That's right. And they're not trying to like pick on what well, we are, so to speak. But you're just trying to keep it in balance because just like the coyotes, if left unchecked, they will wipe out, just about wipe out certain things. So, you know, you're really just helping keep things in check, honestly, and help maintain the balance of nature. Bill, have you, is there any other advice you, that you've got? What about a way that uh, uh, in these these dog proofs, is there a number? Does a guy need to start with six? or You can start with six. You can start with 12. Uh Getting the basic tools is not going to set anybody back a significant no. amount. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you get in the trapping deal and you spend less than $200 and you're all set. Uh, anybody can contact us uh, here in West Point uh, or get on our website at duketraps.com. There are a lot of other retailers that do sell these traps as kits or as standalone items. Uh, you just buy them and, and start start experimenting with them, and you'll have success. And you've got all the traps, too. So if a guy wanted uh, live traps or, or conor bears Everything. or anything, you've, yeah. you've got all that. They right. got it all. Got it all. You, we use a lot of snares. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a big deal. We we snare a lot of hogs with snares. That's, hogs. That's a, that's that's a, a, trapping hogs is a whole other topic. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but if you're out there to catch one thing, you might as well catch them all. Yeah, <laughs> that, that ought I to be a that. T-shirt that, right that, there. That yeah. <laughs> Dudley, why don't you ask them some questions? <laughs> We've got a little thing, but, Bill, I'm looking at you. You may not. Do you watch our television show, Bill? I have not watched it. Well, okay, time. but now, Bill. <laughs> you going to hurt Bobby's feelings. <laughs> you probably He's never seen Hercules before. That's right. <laughs> so we've got a thing that uh, Dudley asked some questions. It's brought, we call it rapid fire. We'll shoot them at you real quick, and we want you to answer them real quick. And it's brought to you by Springfield Armory, our friends there. They make some fantastic pistols, and which would be really good for dispatching these raccoons when you it catch sure them. Would. That's right. Okay, so keep an open mind here and – you can say neither, neither yeah. or both. Yeah. yeah. Or pass. Uh, there is no wrong answer. Nope. Yeah, uh, I guess you could pass too. I don't think about that. All right. All right. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Potted meat or vainies? Vainers. Waffle House or IHOP? Waffle House. 
Raccoon, footholds are dog proof? Dog proofs. Baits, lures for raccoon, fishy or fruity? Fishy. Dye in wax or just wax? Neither. Modded or no mods? No mods. Dispatch stick or rimfire? Rimfire. Body hold or snare? Body grip. Body grip. Uh, hip boots or knee pads? Hip boots. And last but not least, turduckin or nupascoon? Mm. Turduckin. <laughs> Bill was quick. He was more rapid than you were. <laughs> I think he you answered him before you got yeah, through the question. You, Ripping you'd, be, him down. you'd be good at Jeopardy. <clears throat> no doubt. Know? Get him on there. Boom. That was fun. That yeah. Was good. My uncle Walker trademarked the name New Poscoon. <laughs> no. Back in kidding. the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Had he made any money on that? No. He, you know, he saw the turducken like in an old Cabela's magazine. He's not a hunter, and he just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Yeah. And, so, uh, when I, so he actually trademarked the name New Poscoon. Oh, he must not have realized they were eating the turducken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about that one, though, but uh, that was uh, – We've enjoyed having you here, Bill, for sure. Absolutely. And one thing we want to ask, but we always do a trivia question. We so if you if a guy is listening to, you know, do you listen to our podcast, Bill? I'm, I'm probably going to get my feelings hurt here. I'm gonna just going to assume that you do. I've, but I've known about it for a long time. It, well, You've been going about three years or more. Yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah, and that's we've got right. yeah, that's 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 about right, and. Yep. Uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, we're trying the best we can. But so uh, we ask a question. And if somebody's has been kind enough, and we sure appreciate every one of them, to leave a review on our podcast, they might win a prize. So to, you're going to, if you get this, you or Cody, we, y'all can team up over there. I know you, and uh, if y'all can answer this trivia question correctly, Mac, tell us who wins a prize. So you're playing for Collier Country Bob that left us a review on Apple Podcasts. Mm. And the prize is a floor mat with an image of a British lab holding a duck. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So the question is, how did the famous Conibear trap get its name? Oh. I, I know the answer to it. It I was... Okay. I think at some point back in the 60s, there was an individual family named uh, Conibear. His first name was Frank. Frank Conabear, he uh, came up with this concept, and it's evolved a little bit over the years. But uh, but it was a rotating jaw trap that effectively, you know, was a kill type uh, trap used for beaver, muskrats, and uh, so anyway, that's that's where it came from. Wow! Yeah, so it's a, have we ever had a guest just immediately? I know, I know, yeah. 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 like that. Yeah. So it was a family name. You yeah. would think it was like. When you hear the name Conabear, you would think it was, you know, based on functionality. So that's interesting. That was a family name. So I'm, I want to, I want to sponsor him to go on Jeopardy. Yeah. yeah and yeah, when yeah, the topic yeah. is yeah. American trapping, yeah. I'm putting For my money ten thousand, yeah. whatever. It is. Glad you didn't ask me that. Yeah. And I think the guy was Canadian. <laughs> I don't know. You you might have researched it. So if you know, you know. Oh, oh, if he's asking questions, he's okay. Sure researched it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I believe for a while it was called the Victor Conabear. Uh, and then it, you know, he probably partnered with the Victors because that was a big name in trapping. Back right. Huh. I think they ended up buying that, uh, that product, Patent uh, the patented product from, okay. from him. Yep. All right. Well, Country Bob, you won. Uh, Toxie, uh, you might want to keep your door shut uh, next you week. You digging around we, this closet we, again? We found that back there. It's a really nice floor mat. It's got a big, uh, big 
black uh, Labrador holding a big mallet. It's beautiful. So yeah. we'll get that. Uh, hopefully, Bob will get in touch with us. So if you've got a topic, a, a podcast topic, or uh, Bob, you can get in touch with us at gamekeepers at mossyoak.com. Suggest something. Uh, we'll probably end up having people want to get you back to talk about other yeah. species like coyotes. We're going to be talking about those. Coyotes. Do you say coyotes or coyotes? I think most people that I hang around with, they say coyotes. Yeah, that's right. What do you say? Uh, Coyote. Well, how about that? So you grew up watching uh, cartoons. I don't know, watching Wally TV. <laughs> <laughs> I like one of my granddaughter's cow-odies. Cow-odies. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so we kind of skipped it, but at the beginning, we usually do a blood on the biologic section. Yeah. Uh, Dudley, what are you I've saying? got a bunch, and I, I even got an Ask Dudley, if you'll permit that as yeah. well. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so – uh, I've got several. Uh, Haley O'Brien. Yeah, she laid one down. West Point native. That's right. Uh, Go Haley. She killed a nice eight point and got mm. scoped. But the the photo yep. on yep. Instagram, she's all cleaned up with with her deer. But she said she was covered in blood. Uh, well, before it, Tim had her shooting a, a seven mag, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so after the doctor's visit and a change of clothes, she had her photo. Taken with the deer. Mm. Good good buck, by the way. How about Miss Lily deer. last night? Oh, yeah. Lily Davis on the board. 125-pound doe. That's oh, pretty good. Yep. That's, That's awesome. a great one for here. Yep. That's right. First deer. Um, Lucas Moore. Uh, I see him on Instagram all the time. He's a big gamekeeper fan. Uh, actually, I said I met CJ Moore. Uh, his son, Lucas, killed a deer. Uh, and they're... It's CJ Moore 580 on Instagram. They're always doing cool gamekeeper stuff and documenting it. But uh, congrats, Lucas, on your first rabbit. Oh, nice. Um, Jeff Lindsay, uh, he killed this amazing color phase mallard. Did y'all what? see that? I didn't see that. No. It was a really light colored mallard. It had wow. a lot of blonde looking feathers on it. Uh, so they reminds were asking. Me that, reminds it, me of that story we heard. Last week. Oh yeah, is it a hybrid or a color phase? And and everybody was kind of arguing over it. But go check that out. And then uh, Michael Hunter's son Mm -hmm. Zach came down, got his first first buck and first doe. That's right. Um, And had a good old time. Uh, Michael's a a big friend of our family, and uh, we love it when he comes to visit. So Toronto, yeah. Yeah. Then we had uh, Eli and Caston McKellar. They're on the board too. You know, so they had. You could tell we're on uh, on doe patrol around uh, the Mississippi area too. There's nothing like that, you know, we talk about maintaining that wonderment, but that first deer oh, man. thing is such a – I think it's more special with the dad taking them or whoever did, but it's just so cool to see. I no, mean, it is. it is goes back to what's so special about all our sports. Nobody forgets their first no, whatever, no. you know. I remember all my first squirrels, first deer, first turkey. I got one more too. Yeah. Uh, See, uh, my dad, he's on the board for this year. Well, how about awesome. that? Be his 63rd year deer hunting. Wow. And um, blew one down yesterday, thanks to Toxie. So yeah. Appreciate it there, buddy. Well, congratulations to Big Steve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With a bullet that his buddy made, uh, right. Jim Porter. Yeah, who just was, passed away? Who just passed he used away. Used to work for us a long time ago from here. Was one of the first sales guys, wasn't he? It was one, yeah. Close, not right away, but he was with us, and he was a legendary shot. Yeah. yeah. They shot um, on the rifle team yeah. together. So yeah. before Jim passed, they were talking, and he had made him some paper patch bullets, which – uh, for a forty-five seventy, so Dad was bound and determined to take really Jim's cool. shells with an iron sight rifle. Yeah, too. yeah. Well, yeah. he he slipped in on me. He put a we scope did. on he that did. thing for uh, yeah. yesterday. <laughs> well, let's hit the horn for Big Steve. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. could. So, 
Well, look, okay, so the next thing, uh, I'm going to leave y'all with it. I got to go meet a plumber, but Dudley's got an Ask Dudley question, and you guys will be enthralled. But before I slip out of here, I want to say thank you for being here, Bill. And, Cody, uh, yeah. That's one you. of the weakest excuses <clears throat> to go get her in a deer stand on the yeah. last day of I mean, ever. We know where you're going. <laughs> we know where you're pitiful. going. Just th- be honest. I thought Jesse had already killed all your bugs. Yeah. Well, she has. But I have a feeling I may have missed the Roto-Rooter guy, and I may be in trouble. Well, you might as well stick around for that ass, doesn't it, man? (laughs) I'm going to try to salvage the Roto-Rooter scenario. So, Dudley, I'm going to turn it over to you, and thank you all, and this has been fun. Thank you, Bobby. So, this is not a question from a specific listener. Um, Everybody is wanting to get into this wildflower game, and – uh, you know, we planted some in Toxie's backyard a few years ago. We've planted them all over town. Uh, we've planted them all over the place. But everybody seems to be a little intimidated by it, especially on their first try. And so I want to give you a scenario uh, that will make it easy for your first try. So the first thing you want to do is pick a site. Um, don't go pick your best soil down in, down in your bottom ground. Uh Find something like an old logging deck or an area on a ridge top that's just not very fertile. That's gonna that's gonna hold back a lot of the weeds and competition. So, if you're to you know go disc up some ground and throw some seed out down in your best bottom ground, you're likely to have eight foot weeds you know uh, coming up in there. So, uh, at my farm, I actually have a little pad that we had bulldozed about 20 years ago. We were thinking about putting a house up there that we never did and so as a result of moving all that dirt around it's kind of poor soil and it's just covered with crabgrass and foxtail and so uh, what you can do this time of year uh, if you're in the south and you you have some weeds growing you can go ahead and spray it and kill what's there Um, and then in a couple of weeks uh, just fling your seed out you know just follow the follow the recommendation on the bag and uh then this spring, when you're at your farm for turkey season, uh, you'll probably have a lot of grassy weeds pop up. And so you can have some clethodim on hand and just overspray it with some clethodim and kill the grass. Again, you're on a poorish site, so you're not going to have a lot of competition from really tall stuff. Uh, so if you do have a few broadleaf weeds pop up in there, that's probably a good thing. They're, mm-hmm. they're actually wildflowers. Um, and that's it. Um, you don't really have to do a whole lot of spraying because you're putting it on an easy site where they won't have a lot of uh, competition. Yeah, you might not have so. to do any, but if you do the grass, you know, again, yeah, get rid of the grass exactly. makes a huge difference One for time. sure. And talk so, about the time frame a little bit. How long do these things take to get established, and then when can you actually start seeing stuff? Yeah. So if it's mixed species, you know, some of it may not stratify quite long enough, and it may come up the next year, but. Uh, you're going to have something blooming in that first year. Mm-hmm. That's cool. um, and then every year after that, it's going to change. You know, some of those flowers aren't going to do well until their second or third year. You know, you, you'll probably have a mixture of perennials and reseeding annuals. So, um, you know, that first year you will see results. You know, and, I'm not, we're not here to talk about it today and give them those species, but there are so many of these native species of wildflowers are so beneficial for wildlife and when you do establish them you know that's maybe it's a little more to establish than like whatever a a three-month food plot but they're there they may be there for your lifetime they may be there in the seed bank forever 
So it's uh, from a long term perspective, it, it it could really really pay off and be beautiful. Right, and it's oftentimes on a site that's probably not conducive yeah. to a lot of these you know designer food plot type seeds that they require more inputs and they need better fertility and pH. Right, right. but a lot of times uh, in some spots I've had a little success was the road right away. And in daylight in a road, you kind of get rid of some of the topsoil to do that. And then you make your drive through the place beautiful. Exactly. At the same time. So that's a great place to use. Now, you might, you know, if it's just a little dim log road with leaves falling on, you might not have enough sunlight. But most roads that have been daylighted properly, say whatever, 40, 50 feet. Yeah. Maybe less, 30. Uh, areas around yeah. your gates, yeah. uh, logging decks, uh, ridge tops. And really like easy that. to spray and tend to. So yeah. I, I highly <clears> encourage people. It's so much fun to make your place more beautiful, and you know when you take your friends there and your family, it's just just adds a, a you know a value to it. Yeah, it's great brood habitat, good nesting habitat. So, so you're starting some wildflowers pretty soon over the nursery too, with our plugs too. So there's yes, an option there too. Um, and that's something else to add. You can supplement it with some plugs and mm-hmm. get some instant gratification. Yep. Um, a lot of those will go to seed the first year. You can collect your own seed and kind of yeah. fling it out in yep. your patch. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to do it, but uh, just pick the right site and don't go too big on your first time. Yeah, and it sounds and, like the great thing is you pick the poorest site for this. Exactly. Hey, yep. man, can't beat that. So, Any yeah, they've evolved there. for millions of years uh, yep. without fertilizer and lime, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. All right. Good Ain't stuff. Mr. Know-it-all. There he is. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. So, well, that was fun. That was uh, good. So we're going to wrap it up without Bobby, I guess. I guess. Yeah, what what did we learn today? That's now, what Bobby would say. I'm going to tell you what I learned. You need to, I mean, listening to Cody and, and to Bill, you know, you just need, I'm out in the woods all the time. There's no reason I shouldn't have, you know, some traps in my truck and start dropping these things out. I mean, we're filling feeders and working on food plots and planting trees. Uh, I'm out there anyway, so get some get some traps out there and start working on these predators. Yeah. You it's can, easier uh, than you think it is. The yeah. bottom line was I learned to just go do it. Yeah. I mean, there's not a big magic. Anything you need to know is available. Just go do it yeah. and then take it on your own and it'll be your, you know, learn your own way. That's right. Yep. Yeah. February. Great time. Burning. Great time. That's right. Burning and trapping. Burning and trapping. Yep. Trapping. Right. Planting wildflowers. Deer season and turkey season. That's right. That's right. Dragon and you don't have to wait for the right as- atmospheric conditions to trout. Nope. He says every day. Well, every right. day. I, <laughs> I have to do, we'll give Catherine credit. You know, she goes with me everywhere. Yeah. She goes, sets traps, rain, shine. Wow. She's that's a warrior. Awesome. She's right there with, you know, she goes, that's awesome. goes her that way, I really go mine. Awesome. We, we pile them up. Yeah. We got to talk about the snaring a little bit later, too. That's the gamekeeper lifestyle. That's, that's it. Awesome. It's just awesome. So. Well, good. Well, we appreciate y'all being here. Man, we appreciate y'all it. being a part of West Point community, everything y'all mean here, yeah, too. Proud of both y'all, yeah, especially no the Duke it. business, and they've done such a great job. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, well, cool. You guys cool. are too kind, and I, I'm I'm glad to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Appreciate y'all being here. And uh, who's going to ride to Bobby's house to make sure he's actually – Yeah, there's there. no telling. He's been talking – he's like, I'm hearing water running in my house. I'm like, no, that's not – It's good. ironic. It's the last day of deer season, and, and there's a cold front just north of us bearing down. And he fakes a call yeah. from the Roto-Rooter guy. That's pretty good. If we have a blood <laughs> on the biologic Bobby report next week, it's going to We'll know. We'll know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, good deal. Well, say goodbye, Dudley. Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.